children in the foster system through our partnership with Children's Hope Alliance. This is Ron Clements with my wife, Patty. Hello. And we are in Chicagoland, and we spent Father's Day weekend with some of your family members. Yes, I was very happy to have them here, to see them, to spend some time with them. And of course, being able to see my dad on Father's Day was very special. Yeah, they even spent the night in the RV. They did. Our second guests on our journey so far. Yep, and we got to sleep in the bunk. Yeah, you and I slept in the hideaway uh, over the cab bunk while we well, we we let your parents have the main bed. We weren't going to have your parents crawl up in the uh, ladder. Yeah, I I think it's only fitting to allow them to have the good right. bed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sunday we went to Stadium Number Fifteen, Guaranteed Rate Field. We saw the. White Sox play, unfortunately, the home team lost again. The Tigers beat the White Sox. But even though the home team lost, and our, and the home teams are now 5-11, and 11, we are halfway through our journey so far. I am very happy about that. I am enjoying the journey, but phew, it's work. It, it actually is. And we're still kind of behind on our stadium reviews, but we will have our stadium reviews on guaranteed rate field, which we liked. I mean, it was uh, it's not going to be one of our favorites, but it's not going to be our least favorite either. I mean, it, it was a nice stadium. It's a very nice stadium, and I enjoyed walking all the way around like you like to do. <laughs> and, you know, it was a hot one, so there were a lot of people taking advantage of the shower out there in outfield. Yeah, and the center field shower, which was in the locker room at the old Comiskey Park. When they built this thing in 1991, they actually called it New Comiskey, but then they changed it to U.S. Cellular Field, and now it's Guaranteed Rate Field as of a couple of years ago. But one thing we really liked is the uh, Craft Cave, which is a bullpen viewing area, but it's inside and it's air-conditioned, which was nice when it's 93 degrees outside. Right. You need a break once in a while. Right. But they do have a patio out there, and you don't need a special ticket to like access this area at all. You can Now, it's first come, first serve, so they were... When we discovered that place existed in like the sixth inning and you didn't need like a special ticket or whatever, we watched the game from down there and it was it was very nice. But all those seats that were behind the bullpen, they, they were already full. But there's a level right above that that overlooks the bullpen that you do need a ticket for, but those tickets are only $15, which is really nice. But those tickets don't have any shade. We did get some shade later in the game, but then we discovered, hey, this place is air-conditioned and you can still see the game. So we went down there. <laughs> but today on the Home Run on Wheels podcast, we got a special guest, country music singer Charlie Borelli, good friend of mine. I've known Charlie for a few years and just released a country music album called Different Than Before. And after this word from Children's Hope Alliance, Patty and I will speak with Charlie on the Home Run on Wheels hotline. Is that a thing? I guess it is now. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back after this word from Children's Hope Alliance. I didn't give birth to these kids, but they're here and they're our family and they're our kids. Carrie and her husband couldn't have a baby on their own, but they wanted to raise a family. So they reached out to Children's Hope Alliance to learn about becoming foster parents. Children's Hope Alliance helped place a little boy named Riley in their home. The couple adopted Riley about a year later, then adopted his older brother too. Now their house and their hearts are full of family. To learn more about becoming a foster parent or to learn how to spread the word about fostering, visit Children's 
veteranshopealliance.org slash advocate. Any child should be able to at least go to a foster home and experience the family. After a traumatic past, Briar was fostered and adopted through Children's Hope Alliance. I felt like God chose this place, and I feel like when He opened the door for them being my foster parents, He also opened the door for them being my mom and dad. There are kids right now in your community waiting for someone like you to open their hearts and home. To learn more about becoming a foster parent or to learn how to spread the word about fostering, visit childrenshopealliance.org slash advocate. Welcome back to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. With us on the phone is my good friend, Charlie Borelli. Charlie, welcome. Hi, Ron. Hi, Patty. How are you doing? We're doing well, man. Uh, so you got a lot of exciting things going on with you. Uh, and it kind of in the last year, really, uh, you, you've been kind of, pers- kind of playing a lot, uh, lot live music in and around St. Louis and, and traveling uh, with events where you're DJing, where you're, you're emceeing events, and, and, and you and uh, Judd Mailer will play music. But now, I mean, your, your solo career is actually taking off now, huh? You, uh, you got a brand new album, different than before. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really exciting stuff. Over the last, uh, about almost a year, yeah, I started uh, recording the album in uh, in Phoenix, Arizona last year, and uh, it came out in, in November. We kind of did the a release for it and all that stuff in three different places. Uh, one was in uh, Fort Scott, Kansas, which is an amazing small town in Kansas. Do you guys have the opportunity when you're going to see the Royals at all? Uh, make sure you stop by Fort Scott, Kansas. It's an amazing little town. We had uh, the first uh, release there, and then we came to St. Louis, and then we did the Dallas release as well, which is where I currently have my mail uh, being delivered is in Dallas. Yeah, because you're on the road quite a bit. <laughs> a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah. What? Yes, sir. What is the one thing you learn the most about uh, producing, recording, and releasing an album? It's a lot of work. You know, you you jump into it not knowing exactly one who to trust, who you can really be a hundred percent open with about your music and what your goals are, because there are people out there that have ulterior motives a lot that will listen to a song and say, hey, that's that's marketable. I want to own some of that without doing any part of the help with that. You know, and, and that kind of stuff is, is is hard to navigate through, but when you meet the right people, they're going to help you in the in that way to get you from start to finish on your album. And luckily, I, made, I ran into some of the best in the business, ran into some people that had really good resumes and people that I knew I could trust. Finding the right people to, to navigate through this this crazy game is uh, is number one most important thing. It's a country album. Did you ever, I mean, 10 years ago, did you ever see yourself releasing a country music album? <laughs> you know, so many people have asked me that question because I'm originally from South St. Louis City. You know, the closest yeah. horse, the closest horse is about 45 minutes away. <laughs> you know what I mean? But my dad uh, has been a radio DJ in St. Louis for 30 years. And actually, um, that's that's not even true. I think it's, I'm, I want to say it's 40 years. Uh, what's funny is, uh, June 17th uh, is my parents' 40th anniversary, so um, which is pretty exciting. And But I'm pretty sure my dad's been a radio DJ for the entire time. So uh, wow. he actually, when, when I was growing up, he worked on a an AM radio station here in St. Louis called KUSA. It was 55 on the dial, you know, 550 on uh, the AM dial, KUSA. Um, and he would take me to... The station, you know, I would spend overnights with them on the weekends sometimes, and he'd let me push some of the buttons to get some Merle Haggard on the radio and get some old Hank and 
and all that good stuff. And, and so I grew up around country music and I've always loved music in general. And so it never mattered what the genre was, but I always leaned more towards country. But now that I'm living in Dallas, now that, that again, where I rest my head, where my bed lives and, and where it stays when I'm not home uh, is in Dallas. And ever since I moved there, it's country, country, country. And I could not be happier about it. So I put out this album, I would say 10 years ago, it might have been a, a mixture of 90s stuff with country, but it always came back to country. Nice. I never knew that about you. I've, I've, I've known you for a few years, and I, I, I never knew that whole, like, you know, how you got to, you know, become a country music singer. Once you got that finished product in your hand, though, how, how good did that whole year-long process feel? I mean, like, it, it had to have been like, wow, okay, this is really rewarding. That was that was an experience in itself. I mean, once I saw the, the actual CDs, which, I mean... <laughs> A lot of people use them as coasters these days, you know, because nobody mm-hmm. has a CD player anymore. But, but when I got my boxes of a thousand CDs delivered to my my godfather's house in in uh, Watauga, Texas, I went from where I was. I travel a lot. I needed a place that was gonna, you know, at least make sure they were gonna deliver to that place. I went there and um, picked them up. And when I got to see the finished product, I was nervous, you know, and opening up the box the immediate reaction was this is exactly what I was hoping. reading through and making sure that all the grammatical errors or anything like that, which I really should have sent it to you, Ron, knowing your background in, in journalism. But, um, but really my, my view of it was immediate success. And I was, it was such a good feeling to, to get that album in my hands. But I'll tell you that the coolest part about the whole thing was I made some contacts in, in the DFW area that got one of the songs that I've, want to call my first single um got to hear it on the radio and that was always my goal you know to hear my songs on the radio and i'll tell you it's it's a it's an emotional feeling when you hear your name being said on the radio and for the first time and then hearing a song that you wrote and you had recorded you worked as hard as you possibly could on an album and uh you get to hear yourself on the radio it's a it's an experience that every musician i hope gets the opportunity to if they're writing songs it, it was something. That's awesome. What is the name of that single? That, that single is called Down Like Champagne. Oh, yeah, I've actually heard that. You uh, sent that to me a while back. I remember yeah. listening to that. Yeah. Uh, can yeah you... There's a music video on YouTube with that one as well. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's got about 24,000 hits on YouTube. And it's kind of a my first thing, you know, my first right. real, real thing. And can uh, folks find your music on iTunes? They can. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Amazon um, Amazon Music. I'm trying. I'm trying to find out why it's not on Pandora because that was part of the deal when when we did the distribution of it. That it was supposed to be on Pandora. But um, either way, there's there's ways to do it, and we're still maneuvering through all the processes of how to make sure it gets out to all the all the places it's supposed to. Yeah, the whole thing's a learning experience, right? <laughs> it really is. No, you're doing it by yourself. Right. So I'm a I'm what they call an independent artist. So I'm not a signed artist. So if you're listening to this and you're a record label and you'd like to uh, uh, sign me, you know, all you got to do is talk to Ron. Ron can take over as manager for if he'd like <laughs> and uh, get it done. So we can get some uh, some exposure with that. It'd be fun. Nice. Now you travel quite a bit. You mentioned, uh, and it's not. It's usually all music. Whether you're playing live music, whether you're playing some of your songs, whether you're, whether you're playing covers. But you and your business partner Judd Mailer, I mentioned him before. You guys also DJ and MC these big corporate events all all around the country. I know you've been really busy this uh, this past weekend, Father's Day weekend. You were in Waterloo, Iowa, 
So, but when, when you're playing music and kids come up to you and they're like, hey, man, how can I do what you do? What, what kind of advice do you give these kids who want to follow their dreams like you did? So I'm really fortunate in the fact that it's raised by parents that taught me to pay it forward. And the idea is you show what you do, by, you lead by example is the idea. And so kids come up when I do these events quite a bit and they see, they see me following my dream. They see me doing what I, what I love doing. They see me with a smile on my face. I could be having the worst day ever and no one would know it because I, I put my head down and go to work. And for me, live music is a, is a release. It's a lot of fun and showing, um, showing that I'm having a good time doing it. So I do have the, I'm lucky in the fact that a lot of times I'll have, again, kids come up to me or even parents and stuff and say, Hey, you're showing us, you're showing our son or daughter what it means to be um, what it means to follow your dream and you're being successful at it. What did it take for you to get there? And obviously my advice to people when they come up and talk to me, is don't quit. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people when they first start playing guitar, their fingers hurt. And I tell people that's part of it. I did that. Every single guitar player that became a, a musician, that became who you idolize on the radio, they went through that same pain. And so for me, I always, I appreciated that pain. I appreciated that, you know what? all this work that I'm putting into it is going to pay off someday. And so I always tell kids and, and anybody, I always tell kids, especially though, don't give up just because something hurts, just because something may not be going the way that you hope it to right away. But if you continue to pursue what you want to do, you're going to make a difference, not just in your own life, but maybe to the next kid. And, and so for me, being able to to show my music and I've always just wanted to get my music out there. I've got something to say. And if you've got something to say, and it's in a musical form or whatever it is that you do, just get it out there. Get it out there in a way that, that helps other people. Get it out there in a way that makes sure that you leave something behind long after you're gone. And that's, that, for me, is a big part of what I do. And, you know, I think it's really nice that you kind of you started that whole thing by praising your parents. And you mentioned your dad earlier. Sunday was, was Father's Day. How impactful, I mean, you kind of touched on this a little bit before, but how, how impactful was your dad on, on, on what you chose to do for as a profession? You know, it's funny. My dad always told me growing up, don't do what I do. You know, <laughs> it, I, mean, I mean it. I mean, I hope if I ever have kids that I'm able to lead my example like that as well. My dad just wanted more for me than what he had because he took he took a hard road to get where he was. And he wanted me to go further than where he was. And I think that's the, the goal of every parent. My dad, uh, growing up, he had, in the radio business, was a very hard business from, from what I understand. And there would be these days that randomly would happen. It happened multiple times to my dad where they called it Black Friday. And it's not like your, you know, day after Thanksgiving sales. It's not anything like that. It's Black Friday means when a radio station gets sold, people come into the radio station and they fire everybody. My dad had to be the, the, the person on the receiving end of that multiple times. And I'd see my dad in tears, you know, and that's, that's hard to do as a kid. But he always wanted me, he always wanted me to do more and be more than what he was. And it propelled me to, to want to, to work hard because I knew that if I wanted to work hard and I wanted to work for other people, it was helping pursue their dream. Instead, I took a, a different path and I said, I want to work for myself and I want to, I want to build something from nothing and I never want to work for somebody else again. I'll work for hundreds of people, but I'll never work for one person saying that I'm your boss, you know? And so for me, um, for me, it was always 
my dad pushing me in a in a in a way that gave me just gave me the the strength to to move forward with what I wanted to do. And my dad, my grandparents, uh, my grandfather always always pushed me to to do more than I was doing. Always said have a backup plan, and that was something that that has always stuck with me as well. So when I have my my business, which we call you call it entertainment, and it's a um, it's a entertainment uh, planning and um, booking you know, company for corporate events and weddings and things like that. But I've always had music, live music as a backup plan. And luckily with what I do, I'm able to do both at the same time. And it, it helps to, uh, helps with everything, you know, all my dreams. Music is one of your passions. Another passion of yours is baseball. Yeah. And Patty and I are traveling to all 30 stadiums this year, as you know, with the home run on wheels trip and, uh, raising awareness for the needs of children in the foster system. Uh, Thursday, we'll be actually taking uh, some kids to a game at Miller Park. The Brewers donated 50 tickets to a foster care organization in Wisconsin called the New Family Services for Thursday's game against your St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, we have been to Miller Park before. We have been to Bush Stadium before. Uh, the But through the first 15 stadiums, and we're officially halfway there now because we did guaranteed rate field, or as the folks up in Chicago <laughs> still call it, Comiskey. Uh, we we did that Sunday, Father's Day, so we're halfway through. But the only stadium that we've been to so far, a stadium we had previously visited, is, was Nationals Park. Other than that, all of these are new. Uh, we're going to Wrigley Field on Tuesday. Wrigley Field, again, is a stadium we have already been to. But my question for you, sir, is of the 15 stadiums we have left, Wrigley Field, Miller Park, Target Field, Coors Field, Safeco Field, AT&T Park, Oakland Coliseum, Petco Park, uh, whatever the Diamondbacks call their stadium, Minute Maid, the ballpark at Arlington, Coffin Stadium, and then Bush Stadium. You can't say Bush Stadium, but of those 15 remaining, which one is your favorite? <laughs> I can't say Bush Stadium. Okay. Um, it's, it really is an easy one, but I thought it, I thought it would be more easy to answer than, than the, especially the ones you've already been to. What I would say, hands down, of the stadiums you're going to see, uh, AT&T Park in San Francisco is un believable if you you've ever been there on you you and patty you've never been there before correct when you've already you're going to enjoy it i mean that place there's there's energy in that ballpark at all times there's always i mean even if the the giants are in last place i'm telling you that place has energy in it because people are in san francisco love the giants they love the giants and there i mean that stadium is beautiful that that mitt in the outfield the coca-cola sign and all that i mean it's iconic. And then you go into the right field and you've got, you know, the bay and all that. And, and then did you guys end up getting one of the, uh, uh, the boats out there? Are you guys going to go sit out in, in the, uh, in the bay? No, we haven't done that yet. Oh, well, I'm saying if you get the opportunity, I, I haven't either. I didn't get to do that while I was out there, but it just looks like so much fun to sit out there. It really does. And we've oh. been kicking around the idea of like going to one game in the stadium and then going to another, like, you know, sitting out in a kayak or something. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend it. I've been to AT&T a couple times. So one of the, one of the amazing aspects of my job is that I get the opportunity to travel all over this country and it afforded me the opportunity multiple times to be in San Francisco for events or near, near San Francisco for an event. And I got to go to, luckily it worked out that I got to go to AT&T park and that stadium is beautiful. You and I have talked on Facebook and other social media about my favorite of all, but you know, we'll talk about that, I guess, a little bit later. But really, AT&T Park, you're going to really enjoy. 
um, Stageco in, in Seattle would I would probably say that's that's next on the list. Okay. Safeco is it's a lot of fun, um, and uh, there the view in Seattle is great. I mean, you get the Space Needle in in the horizon and all that while it's all going on. If you guys get a chance, I was I was in college or maybe a little bit out of college when I when I first went to Safeco, and on Friday nights in center field they have this area that's right by the opposing team's bullpen. I want to say I'm pretty sure and. It's a it's an area where there's bars and it basically they turn this center field area into a club hmm. and there's a DJ spinning the whole game. Oh and wow! There's a and there's a there's bars out there and it's a lot of college kids are just having fun. But the coolest part about it is everybody comes out. It's almost like standing room right behind the visitors bullpen. And I'm a I'm a loud person if you can't already tell. Getting with a whole group of college kids to razz the pitcher, the opposing team's pitcher in the bullpen, we can literally affect the game from where we are. And so I remember that from Safeco. That was such a neat experience um, just being there. But definitely Safeco on that list as well that you're going to enjoy. And then Kaufman in KC. Have you been to that one yet, Ron? Patty has. I have not. Patty, what did you think of that one? Um, You know, the fountains are cool. When I have been there, I've been there on bus trips with friends from St. Louis. And, of course, it was to see the Cardinals play the Royals. So um, I really do like the stadium. I like the fact that it's open out there, that they have the nice parking lot that they share with the football stadium. And um, I think it's a good stadium. Did you like it? I loved it. I, I, the fountains are such a different thing and, and it's an older stadium, you know? And so, so one of those, one of those cool aspects of being an older stadium like that, you're, you're seeing games that people have seen in that stadium for years. So, so you do have that sense of history about it. You do have that sense of, all right, well, what happened? And obviously Cardinal fans are, can't stand what happened in 85, right? 85. Yeah. And, uh, right. but, but it's one of those stadiums that you do feel the history. You do feel the, the local, um, uh, it's a smaller market, but the fans, I would say, when it's going good, the fans are electric and they love it, and they'll they'll pack the place. And it's just a it's a really neat stadium. I really like that one too. Yeah, and speaking of a unique water feature out in the outfield, we experienced here in Chicago a unique feature at the White Sox Stadium. Of course, have you been in the shower out there? I have not been in the shower. I when I sat in uh, what what was called um, what was it called back then? Um, US, US Cellular. Field. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was US Cellular Field when I went there, and um, it was I sat on the first base dugout. I sat front row on the first base dugout. It was a neat. I thought US Cellular was a neat stadium. Now what is it called? Bank One, Bank America, Bank something. What's it called? It's guaranteed rate field. Oh yeah. Uh, they're they're always changing, aren't they? <laughs> hey, what can you do? I mean, you know. We're, I'm from St. Louis. We just changed our Scott Trade Center to Enterprise Center. I don't know if you've heard that, Patty. I did not know that. It. No. Yeah. No more Scott Trade. No more Keel Center. No more. You know, it's called Enterprise Center or something like that. You talk about the history too, and one of my favorite ones from the history that we've been to so far is Fenway. Oh yeah. Is one of my favorites from a historical standpoint. There's just so much history there. Yeah. Fenway. Fenway was a, a totally exciting. Uh, first stadium for me. It was one of the last stadiums I went to. And uh, Fenway, I got to sit, my first game at Fenway, I sat on the Green Monster. And uh, front row on the Green Monster, I have pictures from on top of the Green Monster with a lobster roll in my hand um, watching the Red Sox. I want to say they were playing Tampa that day. I could be wrong. But uh, when we were there, uh, we saw them play Tampa. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's pretty cool. And when we were in uh, Tampa, we saw the race by the Red Sox. It just like worked out that way. Yeah, that's pretty neat. But yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a few games in uh, in Fenway. I went on the Fourth of July one year, which was it was amazing. I mean, they they roll out the the American flag, and you're in the you know the heart of history in this country, and and get to go to a Red Sox game. I mean, that was that was an experience for sure. So when did you actually uh, complete your 30 stadiums? So my goal was I made the goal to to do it before I turned 30. Okay. So I was 29. I'm 32 now. So okay. You can do the math. Three years ago. Right yeah. yeah. And so how I got how long did that take? You know, I didn't realize I was going to do it until I had reached about 10 stadiums. Once I once I sat, I, I like I didn't plan it out. That was that was a kind of a a different way of approaching it. Like you guys are doing it all at one time. Like, and you've been to some stadiums, but, but obviously this is a, this is a journey. What you guys are doing is a journey and it's, uh, it's such a neat thing. And people all over the country, I mean, are looking at you guys right now, like you're living the dream. And I mean, that's how, what we've how been cool hearing a lot. <laughs> how cool is that? So it's, I would say from start to finish, when I started realizing that I was getting up there in numbers for the stadiums I was going to, because how much I traveled, it just, if there was ever a stadium within two or three hours from where I was, I would make sure I made it over to that stadium. And I'd wake up extra early to get to the gig the next day, whatever I had to do. If there was a game and there's a stadium, I'd try to plan it like that. And once I got to about 10 is when I realized, okay, I can do this. I can go to all 30. I just need to put my mind to it and and go. It was a neat experience, something I'll never forget. Some of them I went by myself. Some of them I met up with people. Um, I mean, I would say I did it. Like I said, I wanted to do it before I turned 30. That was the goal, 30 under 30. And uh, I got to do it before, right before I turned 30. That's awesome. And again, yeah. like you mentioned before, following your dreams. Yeah. Uh, now, I know what your favorite stadium is, and you alluded to this before, but uh, and it's probably the, our favorite so far, PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Phenomenal. Yeah. It, isn't it? I mean, the, the, again, the energy. I, I base stadiums, when I, when I put my favorites out there, I base it um, on a few factors. One of the biggest ones was the energy in the ballpark. If it's an empty stadium and your team's in first place, there's a problem. That right. means that your marketing team isn't doing their job or baseball just isn't the, the team's, you know, or the, the city's focus. You got, you got cities like St. Louis, which I, I love St. Louis. I was born and raised here, but it's a different feeling when the Cardinals aren't playing in St. Louis. When the Cardinals are in town, it's, it's energy. There's energy everywhere. But there's some stadiums that, and some teams that you don't have that with. Looking at you, um, Miami. That, you know, uh, yeah. I, and that, and, and Marlins Park is a really cool park. You mentioned the uh, nightclub in, uh, in Seattle. They've got yeah. that in Miami. Yeah. And what, what was what's cool is you mentioned Miami. That was my 30th stadium. I uh. have a, yeah. I, um, the, Miami was my last stadium. I went by myself, and it was it was an emotional day. I mean, it really was. I'm a I'm a songwriter. I write songs about my feelings, right? So so there's things that I do in my life that it's it you know it's emotional. And baseball to me has always been a passion. And so when I got to finish, like really finish this goal that I set out to do before I turned 30 going into Marlins park. I mean, I got as close as I possibly could. I bought a, you know, I bought, I, one thing I should know, I, I bought a Jersey at every stadium that I went to. It was a very expensive goal. Yeah. We're not doing I, that. We're actually buying lapel done. pins at every stadium. I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, they're they're anywhere between eight and ten dollars. So, <laughs> yeah, that's neat though. But I mean, that's that's a good idea. Mine mine had a tendency to get get up there in price. But um, there are three stadiums I did not get a jersey from, and um, but I made sure 
I got one in Florida for sure at the Marlins, and I got um, I got my name on the back, and I got the number thirty. It's the black one, the black jersey with the orange trim and all that stuff. It's, it's a pretty cool jersey. I, I hold that one pretty high. But um, least favorite stadium? Can I get into that? Because uh, yeah, that's it was actually going to be my next question, and uh, I'm going to take a guess. Okay. Okay, go for it. Oakland Coliseum. One hundred percent. Okay. My least favorite stadium. I remember the day because it was it was um, the same day I went to AT and T Park for the first time. I I got to go to a rare doubleheader in in the Bay Area. The movie Moneyball. Love that movie. You know, I, I absolutely love that movie. And so when when I knew I was going to go see the Coliseum, I I kind of knew what to expect a little bit, but to the extent of what I got, I was thoroughly disappointed. So again, during the day, I went to my second favorite stadium. I I can't say that. I, I have a list. I got to go over it. And sometimes I switch, you know, which ones that were my favorites and which ones, you know, in the order, how it goes, especially when other people start talking about them. Well, that's probably the hardest part about like what we're doing so far is like trying to rank them is so, so difficult. Yeah. I mean, think of it like this. How does the Hall of, how does the Hall of Fame pick their, how does the Hall of Fame pick players to be in the Hall of Fame? Right. There's certain criteria that each player has to make before it gets put on they before they get put on the list, before they get put right. shrine in the hall. So if you look at it in that way, and especially as a writer, Ryan, I mean that to me sounds I feel like you would be a, a good um source for people to go to when once you've seen them all. So again, my suggestion is rate your criteria on what you're looking for. If you're looking for the energy in the ballpark, if you're looking for the food in the ballpark, if you're looking for, you know, how, um, how the actual game went, I mean, there's, there's definitely some criteria that you can rank stuff. And that's kind of what I try to do once I got past a certain point. Again, I was 10 stadiums deep before I realized that I was going to try to do all 30 and I had written the list out and I was like, all right, these are the ones I have left. I'm going to finish those up. And so it was it was such a cool cool way to do it, and so I I did I did rank them at certain points, but then I remembered later, oh, I forgot how cool this you know this bar was that was that was there, and the people that I met there, and you know the fans were fun, and and everybody really got into the game. Okay, so now I've got the energy, I've got you know the the view of outfield, whatever it is. Um, but the Coliseum was just this monstrosity in my in my opinion. That upper deck's completely covered with a tarp that says A's on it, and um, they were in first place, all right? The Giants, on the other side, were in fourth or fifth place. It was a day game in Giants Stadium in AT&T, and it was packed. Tickets were 150 bucks a piece to sit in pretty decent seats. They were 150 bucks a piece to go to this game, and I was willing to pay it because I heard about how amazing the stadium was. I go over that day, and it, it's a beautiful day in, in San Francisco, and uh, see this awesome stadium for the first time. And then we take the, the train over to, I'm sorry, no, we drove over to, um, to Oakland where you got to be careful over there. And that's something I want to make sure you know as well. Some, certain stadiums are not in the best neighborhoods, but that's, and Oakland is one of those. So you got to be careful over there. But also you get there and again, I, I literally could count how many people were in the stadium at that night game. It, they were in first place. That's the, that was the craziest part about it for me. Again, I told you, I, I, buy jerseys at every stadium there's three stadiums i didn't one of them was oakland because i wasn't going to contribute to <laughs> to that team i mean i just wasn't and um i don't you know it's 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 hard to talk bad about a, a organization in my favorite sport in the favorite in my 
favorite league in all of the world, you know? But if I was going to, it would absolutely be Oakland. My least favorite stadium so far has been City Field. I And uh, you can read all of our stadium reviews at the Home Run on Wheels blog, homerunonwheels.com. Go to the blog. We got all the stadium reviews there. And uh, we actually, we, we do have have that criteria. Accessibility, like how easy is it to get to the, the ballpark and, and park or whatever. Uh, yeah. Affordability or and, and, and value. The, the food the atmosphere you're talking you're talking about the energy you know we're calling it atmosphere and then like any kind of miscellaneous and extras like things that like like for instance comerica park in detroit they've got a ferris wheel and a carousel i mean that is awesome uh but city field had like no amenity i mean the stadium itself kind of looks nice but very little amenities the food variety was okay but you know it's new york so it's pricey and there's absolutely zero atmosphere around the stadium you go to fenway park it is or Bush Stadium. It is lively. Wrigley Field. It's lively. There's stuff going on around the stadium. City Field. Absolutely nothing going on around that stadium because it's it's all by itself. And so that's what I really. Oh, and the airport going overhead at City Field with the planes every minute or so going overhead. Just super annoying. I I absolutely hated City Field. It was it was pretty miserable for me actually. Yeah, I. You know, what I what I would say about City Field for me was being in New York the day before. So maybe I was still on a, a bit of a high from from the experience I had at Yankee Stadium. Um, just a little background: I went to Derek Jeter's last home game at Yankee Stadium um, in 2014. I want to say it was, and uh, it was the energy in that ballpark was insane. And obviously, if you if you follow any of that stuff, Derek Jeter hit a walk off single bottom of the ninth obviously with uh, a guy on second and uh he had no business being up at that at that moment <laughs> but but he got up to bat and scored the winning run obviously you know knocked in the winning run and that was the end of his career in yankee stadium grown men crying in the stadium so you know where a lot of people would put new yankee stadium lower on their list for me that that day getting to see that if I'm ranking where I am, you know, what I, what I enjoyed about the stadium with that energy, there's nothing, there was nothing better than that other than going to game six of the world series in 2011. So though, there's been some pretty cool games I've gotten to go to, but the next day I'm with my godfather and, and, you know, some, some people that we met at Yankee stadium the day before we said, Hey, we're going over to city field. I'm on my, my journey trying to get to all the stadiums. So um, we, uh, we got to go to city and, you know, again, I, I had a bit. I had a better experience, I'd say, at City Field than you did, um, just because of the people that I was with. And uh, going to City Field, I was with somebody that was in the media as well, and um, she got to get us close to the field. She actually knew one of the players on the Brewers, who they were playing that night, and uh, introduced us. We got a, a baseball and all that stuff. So again, I had a pretty good experience at City Field. Again, coming the day after Derek Jeter's last home game at Yankee Stadium. Now, I will say. So. The Mets fans themselves are great. And like I said, the yeah. stadium looks nice and all that stuff. But I was just really – I think my expectations for City Field were really high. And then I was just so disappointed with the stadium itself. That's nothing against the team or yeah. the fans. Just not a fan of the stadium. Right. So, Charlie, uh, thank you so much for coming on the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Guys, it's Charlie Borelli. The album, Different Than Before, his new single, Down Like Champagne. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and other places, and he's a huge baseball fan. Been to all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Charlie, it was a super pleasure to speak with you, man. Hey, thank Ron, you so thank much. Thank you so much, and Patty, I appreciate it as well. Can I say one more thing before we go? Yes, sir. That is just about Wrigley Field. Um, I personally think they need to tear it down. 
that's just me as a Cardinal fan talking about you know, the Cubs and just getting a little smack talk in here because uh, I know that the uh, um, all the you know heated battles that we've had with the Cubs over the years and I just you know it I just think the place needs to be torn down. That's just my opinion. <laughs> well, we will see Wrigley Field tomorrow night again when the Cubs play the Dodgers. Hey, go Dodgers! Hey, you know what? As a Brewers fan, I'm okay with that. Something we can agree on, Ron. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, man. All Thanks, buddy. dude. Thanks again. You bet. But on Thursday's episode of the Home Run on Wheels podcast, we will discuss our latest trip to Wrigley Field. As we said with Charlie, it's a stadium we have seen before, but we'll see the Dodgers and Cubs play at Wrigley Field Tuesday night, and we will discuss that as well as more of our trip to Chicago on Thursday's episode of the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Thanks for listening. You should see the other guy Lost my phone, my wallet, and my keys Credit card has charges I